0: At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's
1: you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock and it's the year of the moth baby year of the moth baby year of the moth 2020 year of the moth I can't fully articulate why I am like this today. I need you to know the only mind-altering substance in my body right now is caffeine. I had a cup. I have a cup of coffee next to me. That is. That is it. That's all I'm working. Well, that's right a now. sin. <laughs> coffee. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a sinner, baby. You can't stop me. I'm on the highway to. God. Val, <laughs> bleep that out. People well, can't know we swear. I'm on the highway to heck.
0: There it is, thank you. <laughs> so, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, I'm doing alright, we're out here,
1: we're hanging in there. Yeah, I got a case of the giggles. I don't know. A case of the chortles, as I it were. Okay, so really quick, this never works, like this is never as funny when you try to recreate something that happened organically. But before we did the <sighs> intro, I, I, we started recording and very softly into my mic I went, hee and Alex accused me of cackling, and I said, no, it is a chortle. So, mm-hmm. That's how that happened. Do you want to tell the people about how you sniffed a soap as a palate cleanser? I did. I have a soap. Oh, my God. I'm losing my mind. I just realized what the soap is. Hold off on telling you what the soap is. But I have a soap on my table here. Um, <laughs> it's a secret soap, apparently. I got it in my stocking for Christmas, uh, and it smells really nice. It smells kind of like just like a nice kind of clean, like fresh cotton sort of smell. And mm-hmm. so I just took a nice little whiff of it before we started and Alex made fun of me <laughs> and probably will do so again. <laughs> That's okay. So I'd like to spin you a tale of how I came to my choice for today's cryptid. If you, I would if you love will. that, take me away. Okay, so uh, you have like a carefully curated algorithm by which you choose your your creatures. I do, because my brain is a labyrinth of horrible design. Mm-hmm. I follow, like, my whims, or, like, I think of something I used to be obsessed with when I was a kid, or sometimes I'll refer to, like, whatever media I've been, like, currently immersed in. I've been watching a lot of True Blood, so part of it, so I was like, oh, is it finally time to do vampires? And uh, no, mm-hmm. like I, that's, like, a big undertaking. There's, like, a couple smaller creatures on True Blood that we I We also like,
0: did vampires.
1: Were you here for our vampire We mes- did real vampires. <laughs> okay, I guess that's true. Not vampires in folklore. You know what I mean. Fair fair, and valid. And specifically, like, if I did it, I would like to look at it from, like, kind of a more global perspective, because every single country has a variation on a vampire, and I think it's super Mm -hmm. interesting, but that's not what we're talking about today, because I decided to throw out true blood for now, uh, and instead think about the other piece of media that has occupied most of my brain, uh, which is why today I would like to talk about werecats. Dear God. (laughs) I can't believe you trapped me in
0: this podcast zone and you're gonna (laughs) make me sit here
1: while you shame me in front of all these people where cats here's the thing this was an inevitable choice anyway because as we know there are certain cryptids that are just in the dominion of one of us or the other and we have established Mm -hmm. long ago that almost all feline cryptids are my are mine my domain. Sure, of course. Side note, just for context, the reason I laughed so hard when you called out the soap I was holding is that this was a gag gift from my mom. It's like a nice smelling soap, but the label says, soap for cat people. No! (laughs) It smells like purring. For cat people? (laughs) Yes, which is what we're going to talk about. (laughs) Which is what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Before we dive into the actual folklore and the actual content of the episode, uh, if you are perhaps... Less aggressively online than either of us, or if even perhaps you were smart enough to mute these words and phrases long ago. Please be less online than me. <laughs> you may not be aware of the fact that a film came out on Christmas Day. A film released uh, by the name of Cats, based on the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical of the same name, based on uh, the T. S. Eliot poetry collection *Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats*, and it is a very it is a cinematic experience. I've seen it three times. Yes. And most notably, the cats, the titular cats, look less like cats and more like uncanny hybrids of cat and human.
0: I saw it once um, in a horrible feverish state. I attempted to see it a second time and <laughs> thankfully all the whims of God and man conspired to keep me out of the theater. So I mm-hmm. i did not. And then, um, thank God, the madness has passed <laughs> And I, I not was not, once again. I, I was not spared. Um, my Twitter account is currently a dedicated cats Twitter account. I did tweet something that the cats account liked, and uh if anyone's wondering, I am currently hosting a Jellico jam on Ichio. So if you want to submit any cats themed RPGs, uh hit me up. Alex <laughs> I didn't ask for this.
1: It's okay, uh, because the other day I woke up and for Jones was just playing in my head. Just playing God, in that's my brain. the worst one. Well, it's because I was singing it the previous day to my friend's very fat cat. I was rubbing his belly Lo- oh, and Oh, here's the thing, and we've had this conversation. for Jones is a perfectly fine song for a cat to sing. It is inexcusable for humans to touch it. I know this i know this to be true i'm not going to linger on the cats movie too too long i just needed you to know and that, that we've was... already been there too long <laughs> um mainly just because as much as i enjoy tormenting you with it our listeners did not ask for this so uh
0: <laughs> oh so they're off the hook
1: because they were- have a fast-forward button. And werecats can, werecats do, and werecats can. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> <I've> never... <sighs> Listen. Mysticinvestigations.com slash paranormal slash werecat says, Just as a werewolf is a monstrous wolf-like humanoid, so is the very rare werecat, a terrifying cat-like humanoid. However, that is where the similarities end. Werecats are far more powerful than werewolves, and even most vampires, when their (laughs) origins lie in that of the earthly gods, either directly descended or indirectly through magic. Also, werecats, you have to understand, are different from werewolves because it can't be spread. You know what makes me so mad?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Is that four months ago, if we'd done this episode, I would have been just, like, living in Scooby-Doo Zombie Island the entire time, and that would have been a blessed brain feel. That would have been wonderful. I would have
1: loved that. Floating I, would have, in an... I would have wanted that for me. <laughs> Floating in an ocean of Scooby-Doo original movie bliss. I can't believe
0: that we're doing a Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island themed episode, and I will <laughs> spend no time there. I cannot dwell there any longer. I've been cast out like Queen Susan from Narnia, because I have, I have gone beyond that
1: blessed and innocent time. I mean, I have a whole section on werecats in pop culture where I was perfectly happy to talk about Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, but if you've banned it from this space... (laughs) I haven't banned it. It has forsaken me. (laughs) So anyway, differences between werewolves and werecats. Uh, Werewolves are known primarily for a scratch or a bite transforming a human being into a werewolf. That's pretty prevalent throughout werewolf lore. Um, Most of the time, if you look at werecats... The conceit is not that this is like a virus or some a condition that can be transferred. This is something like that the the person that can turn into a cat or a cat like creature. It, it is an implicit ability. Mm. It's not. It's not something that can be spread. Well, that's good news at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, as this website makes sure to clarify, and I'm glad it does, there is no overlap between werecats. And cat girls, or any other kind of feline-humanoid hybrid, that has no place here. These are humans that turn into cat creatures. Well, listen, they can say all they
0: want that there's no crossover, but they can't stop the will of man.
1: They're gonna do whatever they can to try. So, also... Uh, It should be noted, too, that just, like, there's a little bit of kind of variation in werewolf lore between, like, people who turn into, like, a wolf man or, like, sometimes it is just a man that turns into a wolf. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. That there is a bit of variety in werecat lore. Some werecats are people that turn into, like, a bipedal, like, a cat person. Some of them are ones that turn into either, like, a small, like, domestic house cat or they turn into a lion, a tiger, a leopard, so potentially they turn into something indistinguishable from just a wild cat. Okay. They also can change at will as opposed to relying on the full moon or the cycles of the moon. Although their emotions are amplified with violent anger usually being at the top of the list, uh, they are general, generally coherent in their werecat form. In full animal <laughs> form, they are less in charge of their mental faculties and will lose their humanity the longer they stay in full cat form. They can still talk. They just talk. No, it didn't say they could talk. It said they couldn't feel and think. Okay.
0: It said coherent, and my brain took that to interpret, like, they can just communicate,
1: like... (laughs) I think it means their thought processes are, like, human and coherent. They're capable of coherent thought, not they're capable of, like, coherent... They're not coherent to other people.
0: They are I don't believe so. I, uh... Because I was going to say, like, I thought you were joking about this being a Jellicle Cats episode. And if you are telling me that there is lore about people who straight up become cats who can speak English and walk on two legs, I'm going to be so upset. (laughs) I mean,
1: there are a lot of variations, Alex. I don't have time to hit on all of them. It's possible that exists.
0: Please don't. Please don't hit on that one. Hit on all of them except that one.
1: Now, there's a lot of tie-in. I'll talk about there's a ton of mythological tie-ins, obviously, with this Cats, particularly as being tied to Magic is a tale as old as time, tale spelled T-A-I-L, as old as time. Um, This particular piece on mysticinvestigations.com refers to associations with people who are descendants of the Egyptian goddess Bastet, the cat goddess, Mm -hmm. or uh, idea of uh, children of Sekhmet, the Egyptian lion goddess. So there's some ties, obviously, to a lot of, like, Egyptian deities, because a lot of that imagery, as I think everyone knows, is distinctly feline, but it actually pops up across the country in a lot of different forms. I'm going to hop over to a different website. Okay. I'm going to hop over to just straight up Wikipedia first. Love that. Love that Because sometimes, honestly, Wikipedia is just kind of a nice little compilation. Here's the thing about Wikipedia. People will tell you not to trust Wikipedia, but, like, Wikipedia
0: is rigorously... We say this a lot like, on here, actually, yeah. Wikipedia requires more accurate sourcing than most other sites. And most of the
1: sites that we tend to use. <laughs> well, certainly more than the ones that we tend to use. Yes. So anyway, the uh, the term for it, other than cat would be, just like uh, it's lycanthropy referring to werewolves, mm-hmm. is aileranthropy, which comes from aileros with the Greek words meaning cat, and anthropos meaning human. Rolls off the tongue a little less cleanly than lycanthropy. Uh-huh. But Run it by me one more time. It's A-I-L-U-R-A-N-thropy. Huh. So okay. I'm pronouncing it like aileranthropy. I'm assuming that's... Sure. The, it seems correct. I don't know. Now, uh, depending on the story, the species involved can be a tiger, a lion, a leopard, a lynx, a purely mythical cat, or a domestic cat. <laughs> so is it just a little kitty? Just a, a little Kimpton. Just a little kitty. Um, so this has sort of a fun, uh, like a neat little sort of summary of how this pops up in, uh, different regions of the world, particularly. So you have sort of manifestations in Europe. European folklore tends to depict werecats as people who transform into domestic cats. Now that usually is tied into like European witch folklore. Yeah. Witchcraft. 100. Like like, yeah. It's witchcraft. Witches are considered to be able to be shapeshifters. They turn into cats. And um, that's like pretty much or they can turn into larger versions of domestic cats or panthers. Then in Africa, there are legends describing where lions, where panthers and where leopards. In the case of leopards, it's a leopard deity masquerading as a human. So the leopard form is actually like their true form. The human form is the illusion. Mm -hmm. And then if they have if they have children with humans while in their human form, then those children grow up to be shapeshifters. So that's sort of the interesting okay. origin of that one. It's, it's a little bit like we have uh, in our Ruguru episode. This is something that in a lot of these versions is passed down, but not something that can be spread through like totally. infection. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then there are for people who turn into lions, that's often associated with royalty, uh, a being that might have been a king or a queen in a former life. And uh, there's also a tale of a big cat called the Nunda, which is a cat of immense size that stalks villages at night and that some of the versions of the story circle around the idea that this is something that is by day a human and turns into this massive terrifying big cat at night. Okay, wild. So those are some of the those are some of the fun variations on that one and most mainland Asian werecats are often tigers in India where tigers are usually associated with being sorcerers. Yeah, that makes sense uh, to me. So it's kind of yeah. overlaps with, like, yeah, the witchcraft. There's Chinese legends describing where tigers a victi- as victims of a hereditary curse or a vindictive ghost. So people who are, uh, instead of it being, like, something that's a malevolent witch or sorcerer uses to do bad in a town, it's something that is done to somebody, a curse that's placed upon them. Yeah, this is sounding, and like, like they... very,
0: very rigorous adjacent.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, alternately... The ghosts of people who have been killed by tigers could become a malevolent supernatural being known as a cheng, devoting all of their energy to making sure that tigers killed more humans. (laughs) Some of these ghosts are the ones responsible for turning ordinary humans into man-eating were-tigers. There's also, and this is like a little bit different in Japan, though there's something similar to a kitsune, which is a fox spirit, called a bakaneko, which is a, like a cat spirit. Okay. Cute. Yeah. There's also a type of were-tiger known in Indonesia and Malaysia called the Haramal Jadian. These are often associated with like vampire or demonic elements as well. And then, like I said again, in the central areas of the Indonesian island of Java, the power of transformation is regarded as due to inheritance. So again, it's an inherited thing. Also, save when it is hungry or has just cause for revenge. It doesn't hurt people. Oh, well. That one. It's said to take animal form only at night. And to guard the plantations from wild pigs. Okay. There's like a yeah. lot of information that's
0: they're like very uh very task oriented, aren't they? Like they're very goal oriented as far as shifters go.
1: Yeah. I mean I think people who haven't owned a lot of different cats with different personalities before might think that. I swear to God, don't you dare take this back there. Alex, I was not going to reference the types of cats as present in Cats, the musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber. I was merely going to point out that cats are as varied in personality as dogs and as humans, and people tend to assume that all cats are aloof and uncaring, but many cats are defensive and protective of their owners. That's all. Some of them do magic, and several of them have been known to tap dance on railways. You're the one who brought it back there. I didn't do that. I'm being bullied. so anyway. <laughs> so anyway, the foremost wear animals in pre-Columbian Mesoamerican cultures were the wear jaguar. It's associated with the veneration of the jaguar. So, like, the jaguar is associated with um, with magic. It's associated with. There's a lot of tradition of priests and shamans and people following the tradition wearing jaguar pelts to become a wear jaguar. Wow! Again. Werewolf overlap, so surprising. And then among the Aztecs, an entire class of specialized warriors who dressed in jaguar skins in order to embody the fierceness and the strength of the jaguar were called jaguar warriors or jaguar knights. Jaguar knight is like a really dope title. Isn't it amazing? That's pretty powerful, honestly. I like it a lot. Now, not quite the same as werecats, but there's some overlap. This was a phrase referenced in the Wikipedia page, which led me to the cryptid zoo, newanimal.org, on the subject of feline bipeds don't get mad at me feline bipeds all right they're a variety of hairy humanoid um which is also the subcategory that encompasses like bigfoot uh the skunk ape a lot of those except obviously as you might imagine these particular variants have cat heads or cat-like features they often have the cat head and they often also have a tail like resembling that of a panther. A lot of them seem to resemble Black Panthers, though other varieties, such as tiger men, are reported in lesser quantities. When cryptozoologists do pay attention to feline biped reports, they generally have two approaches. One, they try to reclassify these creatures as some variety of mystery big cats, such as the eastern cougar. Or two, they try to classify them as ordinary Bigfoot-type hairy humanoids. So just Ordinary like you, Alex... Bigfoot types. <laughs> so just like you, Alex, they don't want to acknowledge the possibility of bipedal <laughs> humanoid... Cat creatures. Good. I respect them. I do not.
0: I mean, I respect their desire not to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying for a moment that I respect.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, of course, when you move away from the realm of strictly trying to find a scientific explanation and you do the fun thing of incorporating the possibility for magic. Of course. Then sometimes feline bipeds are viewed as werecats in local legend, which of course are, as I've said, people who turn into a cat's. They're found in the mythology of nearly every nation in the world. Other mythology assigns different origins to feline bipeds. Especially prevalent, this popped up in what I was just saying, is the concept of it being a punishment or a curse. There's a uh, North American native folklore uh, about a half-cougar woman, which is the wampus cat. I've talked about her before Mm -hmm, on this very podcast. was a woman who had several different versions of the story, but she was cursed with this state of being a cat woman who wanders the woods and cries. So those are feline bipeds, they pop up all over the place, which takes me over to Oh no. Don't don't come on. Come on. Don't don't get worried. Everything's fine. <laughs> oh no. Everything's fine, Alex. Why are you so stressed out? Uh, is could it be Cat People on the Loose an article by Nick Redfern on mysteriousuniverse.org from October 29th of 2017? Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. The thing is, when you say cat people are on the loose, that can mean two very different things.
1: <laughs> it's the bad one, Alex. The oh, worst no. one. You know, like, Nya. Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> uh, may, I, may I share the information in the article? Please do. Okie dokie. So this one is sort of, uh, I have some actual like, quote-unquote sightings a little later, but this is sort of just a compilation of uh, encounters and tales of werecats throughout the years so uh here we go the werecats of britain first of all abbots bromley a village in the english county of staffordshire the origins of which date back to at least 942 a.d in this particular case the witness was a man named brian kinnersley he spoke of walking through abbots bromley on a warm summer's night and he was confronted by a large black cat one described as a typical black panther obviously he was then frozen in his tracks he saw a black panther on the streets of a town in England, which is not something one is expecting. Sure. However, then, his amazement turned to outright fear when the beast rose up onto its back limbs, giving it a height of around five and a half feet. The creature issued a low growl and flicked its dangling front paws in Kinnersley's direction. Notably... Kedersley's daughter said her father that said that as the cat rose up, its back legs changed shape, probably to support it when it was standing upright. A few seconds later, the creature dropped back to the ground and bounded out of sight. Now, this one is obviously a little bit like there's some room, there's some wiggle room there. It really could just be like some sort of big cat that reared up on its hind legs when it felt threatened. Mm-hmm. That is a thing that animals do. However, if you're me. And you want to believe that it's a cat? then you should. You should, absolutely. A similar report from the centuries-old village of Blakeney, Blakeney in the English county of Norfolk occurred in 1967. The witness was driving on a cold winter's night and caught a glimpse of a creature standing at the side of the road that was eerily similar to the one seen by Brian Kinnersley in the previous story. In this one, the woman said, It stood like a person, but stooped, but had a cat's head. Even the pointed ears. Even the pointed ears. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Got one more. Um, The final two cases in the files here are separated by seven years, 1981 and 1988. The location was the same. The German War Cemetery in Cannock Chase, Staffordshire. We're back in Staffordshire. So, apparently this particular area is a hotbed for weirdness, according to this source. Uh, there have been, like, like Bigfoot-type sightings, there have been ghosts, there's been, like, weird UFO stuff here, there's been giant serpents, uh, <laughs> a lot of things in Canuck Chase that people maybe perhaps can't explain or would have reason to believe are perhaps a little unusual. Mm-hmm. The two reports of werecat-type creatures seen at the cemetery. One of them was during the daytime. It involved a beast that was black in color, taller than the average man, and seen leaning on one of the gravestones until it realized it was being watched and then it dropped to all fours and raced off into the trees. A second case concerned a van driver crossing the chase late at night, who was forced to bring his vehicle to a halt near the cemetery as a result of the presence in the road of a huge black cat. The cat stared intently at the shocked driver until it sort of jumped onto its back legs, according to the man. The creature remained in view for no more than about 20 seconds after which it headed towards the cemetery, making a curious hopping and bouncing movement as it did so.
0: Quick question. Uh Uh-huh. Do we get any sense of scale for this? Because, like, here's my problem with creatures like this. When you say a huge black cat, that could mean anything from, like, a slightly bigger than normal cat, which I would look at and say, yo, that cat is huge. Or, like, it Mm -hmm. could mean a person-sized cat, which I would look
1: at and say, yo, that cat is huge. Well, the first guy did say that when it reared onto its back legs it stood at about five and a half feet. Okay, so a huge cat. Yes. <laughs> so if the others are similar in proportion, it would be about human-sized cats. Well, that's why I was curious. Like if in this story it like lined up. You
0: know what I mean? Like I didn't know if it mm-hmm. was
1: Oh yeah. no, yes. I understand completely. And so another article by the same person on Mysterious Universe talks a little bit more about some of the other variations on where cats. I mentioned where lions and where leopards. So um this article is called the, Mis- the most mysterious cats of all by Nick Redfern from December of 2017. <sighs> don't stop. You do anything. You're checking out before I've even had the chance to <laughs> I'm not. You
0: are. Is it because looked you looked at Twitter are. and saw that I tweeted that you were bullying me?
1: <laughs> no, did you tweet that? You don't let me have any fun. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry.
0: No, Addis, I'm listening. Addison, I'm sorry. So, There's, hey. In Africa? Oh, the- <laughs> listen, I'm listening. I want you to have fun <laughs> okay. on our show that we make together.
1: It's okay. important to me that you have
0: a good time.
1: Okay. I love So I mentioned you. that were leopards, I love you too. <laughs> I mentioned that were leopards were thought of being uh, the offspring of leopard deities that mated with humans while in human form. Right, natch. Yes, of course, as you do. Uh, and now this version says that there are sort of two branches off of that particular story which is that either they were able to shift at will or in a fashion completely beyond their control but it doesn't specify the details of what would cause the shift okay it says it just says it's very similar to when the werewolf mutates the person like a person mutates into a werewolf at the sight of a full moon but it doesn't say if the moon has anything to do with it and so i really i don't know that's so weird (laughs) you know it's kind of like this thing
0: is, mm-hmm. is it that thing? I don't so, know. Um, it's just
1: like that thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, lions. Throughout March of 1898, during which time the construction of a railway bridge that spanned Kenya's Tsavo River was at its height, numerous workers were dragged from their beds during the night and both killed and devoured by ferocious, man-eating lions Oof. that plagued the area. Yeah. And as a result of the of the fact that the building on the railway bridge fell under the control of an English engineer, rumors quickly circulated to the, around the, uh, locals to the effect that the lions were nothing less than people returning, basically, like, spirits returning to, mm-hmm. like, invade, keep the invading Europeans out. The fact that the lions were reputed to have successfully slaughtered no less than 135 workers. What? And apparently, this is supposedly just two lions. That's which not is... very many lions. <laughs> No, which is terrifying in its own right, whether there's any mythological or anything to it, supernatural at all. I mean, all, two lions is still very intense.
0: too many lions to be, like, dragging people from their beds, but, but that's yes, not that many lions
1: for that many people. Mm-hmm. Correct. I'm hopping over to wear tigers now, I'm sorry. Um, as the story goes in Indonesia, the ability to mutate into a were tiger form can be developed via fasting, willpower, the use of spells, incantations, and charms. So as opposed to a lot of these other stories where it's something either like some kind of hereditary, in a lot of the in some of the were tiger lore, it's like, no, you can if you work hard enough.
0: <laughs> if you work hard enough and believe in yourself and you have a strong enough sense of
1: self-discipline, you too can yeah. transform into a tiger. If you rise and grind and you apply yourself and you work hard. <laughs> And you just believe... Oh my god. You too can become a were-tiger. Listen, I've heard a
0: lot of really bad arguments for fasting. That's
1: probably the worst one. Oh, it's a bad one. No, I don't endorse fasting. I'm just saying perhaps maybe if you are inclined to do meditation... Sure, yeah. ...and incantations to become a were-tiger, I'm not going to I would do some incantations, for sure. <laughs> oh, good news, Alex, because toward the end of this episode, I will be sharing a spell to turn into a were-cat. Are you planning on... Transmogrifying on air?
0: That would be the wildest flex either of us has pulled in this podcast, and I composed a musical number.
1: I'm not saying it would work, I'm just saying I do have in my notes a link to it. What if it does, though? Into.
0: Like, what are you gonna oh do? I don't know. I don't know. We're messing with
1: powers beyond our comprehension. <laughs> to be fair, you'll see when I get to this quote-unquote spell that perhaps it's not from the most reputable. That would be sources. like th- anyway. I'm sorry, but that would be like such a weird
0: prestige episode, right? Like if if mm-hmm. we'd been doing this, What if this turned out to be a prestige podcast, and for 130 episodes we've just been going on as if it's a normal podcast between two people, and it turns out it's been scripted this whole time, and in the end of this last episode you turn into a tiger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I turned into a weird cat. <laughs> oh my god, what an amazing move that would and be. And you just it?
0: like wreck everything and there's just like horrible audio design and it, the podcast just cuts out and then
1: next episode we just pick up as if nothing mm-hmm. happened. Before I hop over to my next point, I would like to talk about something near and dear to mine and to Alex's heart. Let's chat about Year of the Moth, everybody. Year of the Moth. Year of the Moth. Friends 2020 is the Year of the Moth and the year Uh, Of fundraising for the Cryptid Keeper to make the show better and brighter in as many ways as possible. Take it away, Alex.
0: (laughs) Oh, this is on me now.
1: Well, you've been, like, drafting a lot of the social posts, so I feel like you have a better grasp on am. I am. I
0: am the the architect of the year of the moth. I'm the time architect of this calendar cycle um so first things first i want to start off just by saying uh what i said on the horror borealis midroll as well which is that you know listen there are a lot of projects asking for your money there are a lot of creators vying for your attention and your financial support and um if you are concerned that this will like make or break our ability to make this podcast or to survive in the day to day like don't we're not there there are people who like desperately need your support to pay their rent, and we are not those people. Like, very luckily, we're not in that position right now. So if you cannot donate any us at this time, I don't want you to feel guilty. I know sometimes, like, when I'm listening to shows that I really love, and they get into their, like, hey, please, you know, help us feed our families by giving five dollars to our podcast. Like, I don't want you to feel that level of stress. This is not that but we are really excited about some of the projects that we can't make without a little bit more financial support. And we would love to be able to create those for you. So we are doing this exciting fundraising push to help us be able to uh, meet some of the things that have been, you know, very oft requested and to really push ourselves back to uh, better and brighter heights and also uh, Mothman. So, you know, as it were, Gear of the Moth, we have a series of stretch goals set up uh, culminating in our top tier goal. I'm just going to run through some of them right now. Basically, we will have some individual tier rewards uh, worked up. A lot of them are going to be staying roughly the same. We'll have some added content and some perks related to our new unlocks. But most of our goals have to do with our stretch goals for our monthly funding. So our first goal we actually already passed, which was to get back up to $1,000 per month, which unlocked uh, some exciting new merch drops for everybody. We're going to start pre-production now on a brand new Jeff the Mongoose shirt, which is really, really cute. Uh, It's a very fun, like, I'll split the atom t-shirt with a lovingly rendered Jeff the Mongoose on it. It's super adorable. We'll put pre-orders out and it'll be available in the store. And the other thing that we just unlocked um, is a beautiful set of Horror Borealis pride stickers featuring some of the characters from Revenant and little corresponding pride flags behind them. They are just gorgeous. Um, You're going to really love them. At $1,250 per month, Cryptid Keeper goes weekly again, which is a very exciting thing. I know a lot of people have been asking for. We would love to be able to make that happen. Um, but we need to be able to, one, ensure that we can pay our, uh, wonderful editor Val. We need to be able to make sure that we can start getting transcripts up in a little bit more timely fashion if we're going to go weekly again. Uh, all sorts of things that can, enable that to happen. We can't necessarily do it at this price point, but we would love to get there. So at 12.50 per month, Cryptid Keeper goes weekly again, as well as we will uh, publicly release some brand new bonus content for Horror Borealis. Some different episodes that just sort of explore Revenant from a totally unusual and different angle than you're used to, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. At $1,500 per month, there's another merch drop. We'll unleash our uh, exclusive... Unleash, release—is what I meant to say. I like the idea of unleashing a T-shirt upon somebody, though. Um, at fifteen hundred per month, we will release an exclusive designed just for this campaign—twenty twenty year of the moth T-shirt—which uh, will be very fun and exciting. That design is not done yet, but I hope that everybody ends up loving it, and I hope that we get there very quickly, and that I'm forced to scramble to make that happen. So please put me on my toes there. Um, as well as a setting guide and lore bible for horror borealis. So you can run your own monster of the week campaigns in the setting or just learn some of the neat like secrets and behind the scenes lore about the world. That's going to be a really cool and like immersive way to see a lot of the fiction that goes into it that we don't always get time to go into in detail on the show. At $17.50 per month, Uh, We will do a combined Cryptid Keeper and Horror Borealis live show. And we would probably go through the same process where we have the audience sort of vote on what city to bring us to based on, you know, what we think can support an audience turnout for that show. But we're really, really excited. We would love to make that happen. We had such a blast with our last live show and we would love to do it again. And this time make it even better and bigger and, um, you know, give you two shows for the price of one. So please help us make that happen. Our last stretch goal is. $2,020 per month, field 2020, and that is our Year of the Moth stretch goal. So the reason this whole campaign is structured around Year of the Moth is because we want this to be the year that we finally do the Mothman episode. But if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Better believe. So at $2,020 per month, we will... Take the team to the Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. We will, while we are there, record a Mothman episode together in person, utilizing every resource at our disposal. We will host a fan meet and greet for anybody else who decides to come and hang out with us at the festival, because we will be there the entire time, um, probably sharing a janky hotel room and eating a lot of waffles. It's going to be amazing. And on the road, we will also record other bonus content for you, not the least of which... Will be a video project that may or may not involve ghost hunting if you want to find out more of the details you're going to have to help us get there mm-hmm. but 2020 the year of the moth help us make this happen this is the way that we can get the mothman episode for everyone and this is going to be the year that we do it i'm really really excited i want to make this happen i know we've been putting it off for too long i know there have been excuses i promise i'm not like gaslighting everybody this time <laughs> this will be an actual mothman episode for real Uh, provided that we can meet our goal. So that's Year of the Moth. We hope you'll join us, uh, whether you're a continuing or a new or upgrading or returning Patreon donor. We're really excited to get to share all this stuff with you, and we're really looking forward to everything we'll be able to put out.
1: So 2020, Year of the Moth, baby. Year of the Moth. Now back to the show. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to have like an actual, like tiny little earnest conversation because I found this whole piece while I was researching this from sci-fi.com, S-Y-F-Y, like the network, um, Uh by... Sarah Century, and this is titled Curse of the Catwomen, the Trope of the Werecat. And, uh uh-oh, surprise, Addison's going to talk about gender and folklore again. Um, (laughs) I feel like we just did this. Oh, no. Well, here's the thing. This is, like, first of all, not a super unknown thing, that people are obsessed with this idea of, like, a lot of the time you see uh, cats as portrayed as this uh, inherently feminine animal. Mm -hmm. And that extends to the way that werecats and like werecat type creatures are portrayed in uh, in fiction, and in terms of just the way we talk about them and the way that they tie into stuff. Specifically, this article focuses on a film called Cat People. I don't know if you've seen Cat People. It's not
0: I, 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 at this point in my life. I probably will never go see a film called Cat fair, People. It's
1: fair. It's fair. Uh, it's. I'll just read the little summary right here. Um. It's considered one of the most important films of the early era of horror. Uh, but it's a story about a woman named Irina who marries a man. She's afraid to give herself to emotionally or physically because she believes that if she becomes too angry or too excited, she will transform into a werecat. She basically makes effort to, like, she tries to make the marriage work and mm-hmm. he leaves her for his assistant and then a bunch of things, events unfold. But it's specifically about a woman who suppresses her maybe more primal impulses and feelings because she's afraid they will turn her into a monster. Interesting. Then there are some sequels to that. There's other characters that are like these cat women. They're often associated with like villainous kind of traits or like sexuality. Like if you're familiar with some of the Wonder Woman comics characters, there's Cheetah in the Wonder Woman comics.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even if we're just talking like, you know, very, very... The obvious pick, Catwoman. Oh, yes. Um, And Black Cat from the Spider-Man comics. Yes.
1: There's also Cat's Eye from New Mutants. Mm-hmm. So there's essentially, like, several different, yeah, variations. Essentially, when we talk about, like, when you mix, like, the traits of, like, the feline and the traits of, like, women, a lot of the time, historically, what you get in terms of the trope and what this article hits on, and I, I mentioned the title as well, like, go read it. I recommend it. It's called Curse of the Cat Women: the Trope of the Werecat by Sarah Century. And mm-hmm. what you get is an amalgamation of the worst ideas about cats and the worst ideas about women. It's true. That they're inherently manipulative and cold and, like, kind of trying to, like, trick you, and then there's specifically this weird villainization of, like, female sexuality that comes with it. Uh, also very weird. Can I talk about Batman Returns for a yes, second? Yes, please, do it. I would love to hear you talk so about Batman
0: Returns. So, I... I- Love Batman Returns. I genuinely think it's a masterpiece. It's one of those films that like is easy to watch at one point and like early in your life or with, without really thinking about it and just sort of like write it off as another, you know, Tim Burton Batman film that hit some marks and totally missed others. But I genuinely think it's a brilliant film. We rewatched it, um, actually just for the holidays because in this household, um, Batman Returns is a Christmas film and Into the Spider Verse a Hanukkah film. Mm -hmm. You know, as to be expected. Batman Returns is a Christmas film. It happens at Christmas. But the way that Catwoman is written in that movie, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, is really just so fascinating and beautiful and strange and frightening and raw and weird. Like... So that's the movie for anybody who doesn't know or who doesn't remember, who has never seen it. If you've never been blessed to sit down and watch all of the Tim Burton Batman films, one, you're missing out. You're denying yourself a pleasure that you will never get experience in superhero cinema. Two, you're missing out on some genuinely interesting writing. I think it's the most interesting Batman has ever been on screen, but I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. Anyway, Catwoman, as written in that movie, is... is Selena Kyle is this very, like, timid, um, like, pushed around like, and 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 put in her place, like, meek and visibly jumpy uh, secretary for this, you know, terrible capitalist overlord in Gotham City. And basically, she is someone who, even from the beginning before her, like, transformation, which is depicted on screen, she's, like, consumed with this, like, frustration with herself. She knows that she's got these repressed, like, that she could be something very different than what she is Mm -hmm. and that her circumstances and the people around her and these power dynamics require her to present herself as something different. And, you know, when she sort of asserts herself in her office situation against her terrifying boss, he literally pushes her out a window. She's resurrected as Catwoman. She comes back and suddenly she's like, got this manic, raw, weird, like feral, feminine sexuality to her Mm -hmm. in a way that is like, So interesting to watch. Because the character is, like, unhinged. Yes. But she's not evil. Like, all the things that she's doing, she, like, is cognizantly aware of why she's doing them. And the fact that she's not supposed to want them, but she is enjoying it and, like, hates herself for that. But also, like, doesn't want to go back and realizes that, like, she shouldn't exist. She shouldn't be able to exist. Like, it's really, really wild. And the... Portrayal and the writing of it is just brilliant, but it's one of the most interesting depictions of like female coded pain I've ever seen on screen, especially for a film like from the 90s. Mm-hmm.
1: So here's the thing I have not seen that particular Batman movie, but uh, <laughs> I wish I could, you could see the way I sat up in my seat <laughs> as you were. Oh, my God. I I think you would love it. I think you would love it more than any of the other Batman films, actually. I know I know It's got Michelle
0: Pfeiffer's Catwoman, and she's really, really fascinating. And it's also got Danny DeVito's Penguin, which is, like, Mm -hmm. a wild thing to watch in 2020. Like, the way they do Penguin is um,
1: unfortunately relevant. (laughs) Yeah, here's the thing. What you have described to me in terms of Selena Kyle's journey in this particular Batman film Mm -hmm. is is a very similar journey to a lot of modern horror films that mean a lot to mm-hmm. me. Like, not quite the same, but you've just given me... That's you, you just, that's Jennifer's body. <laughs> yeah, I, I really think you would love it. And, oh God, all I want all i want and that's something they talk about a little bit more in this article is like how we can sort of reclaim that trope and kind of bring it into the modern modern storytelling because all i want is to see women go feral
0: oh yeah um like they're one of the best scenes in batman returns and i won't spoil too much for Mm -hmm. you but basically right after so selena kyle's apartment like before Mm -hmm. her transformation before her fall and resurrection is like this sort of and it's, it's great because it looks so out of place in Gotham City. Mm-hmm. It's, like, very pink and, like, sort of almost um, not, like, quite kitschy, but a little bit sort of that, like, retro kitschy, like, pink and lace and neon. And, like, it's very strange.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the scene, like, she, you know, falls and is resurrected. She comes back into her apartment, like, completely a mess. And she just, like, screams and starts wrecking up her apartment. Like, mm. she just starts shattering stuff and, like, tearing the walls and, like, throwing things. And it is, like, I'm, like, the hair is standing up my arms as I'm talking about it. It's such a, like, it is so hard to describe this scene, but it's such a fascinating thing to watch. And it's so weird that this movie included it. Like, that this Batman movie from the 90s has this journey in it. It's so wild. I like started breathing heavy like while
1: you were just It's really cool. Um yeah, next time you come over, let's watch Batman Returns. Please, I get so excited about this. I just wanna watch I just wanna watch women go feral and Here's the conclusion of this article. It says right here, it's interesting to think of what has been done with the feminized werecat in fiction, but it's vastly more interesting to consider what might yet still be said. With only a skeletal background of a few distinctly unfeminist tropes, most of which revolve around an intrinsic distrust and fear of feminine power, anger, and need, there's still quite a bit of potential to turn the trope around and find a more inspirational and empowering message for women who have too long been shamed for their self-expression via such unwieldy metaphors and that's like i want that i want that (laughs) Mm -hmm. because like it's true you often with a lot of these older stories you have like it's like i love a lot of these characters and a lot of these like figures but you're not supposed to (laughs) like it's sort of like it's the same thing that happened to me as a child i grew up obsessed with a lot of like female villains that in retrospect were very deliberately queer coded sure and that was supposed to make them more frightening but because i was a uh, because I was a little baby, not straight person, I was like, I like that. <laughs> I want to be mm-hmm. like that. Um, and it's the same feeling. So it's like I want to see versions that actually lean in, and I want to see more. Want to see more of that. And we're seeing it not with the cat thing, but like even with like with projects that resonate so heavily with me. Projects like Raw and projects like, or actually a great one that I love and I think can be d- explored more interestingly. Not a cat, but a werewolf story uh, is uh, Ginger Snaps.
0: Mm, yeah, I haven't seen Ginger Snaps. So I've I've had it recommended to me personally on many occasions, but I've not I've not seen uh, it. I like it a lot.
1: Um, it could be improved upon because it is a product of its time in a lot of ways. It is sure. from the 90s, but like still. Anyway, back to a little bit more lighthearted, real quick. Um, couple quick sightings, and then we'll wrap up with a spell. Yes, please. <laughs> I can't wait. This is gonna be the
0: weird. Like, this is either going to be. Kind of anticlimactic, and for that I'm very sorry. Or it's going to be the most insane thing that's ever happened. Please get me there.
1: <laughs> so, uh, first of all, we have from paranormaldatabase.com under reports. There is a werecat report from St Michael's Church in Edmundthorpe. I don't know when this was, uh, but uh, this is the only this is the only thing written about it on the site. It says. Sir Roger Smith and his two wives have their tomb within the church with the effigy of Lady Anne possessing a dark mark on one whist. A local (laughs) legend. Sorry, It took me a second to realize. That it meant his first wife and then his second wife, yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But particularly the effigy of Lady Anne, one of... um, A local legend says that she was a witch who could change into a cat, and the mark on her statue shows where a butler hit Anne in her cat form with a small axe. Okay. Okay. Now, um, there is on (laughs) ilovewerewolves.com... A photograph, a very blurry photograph that looks kind of like a Tasmanian tiger, that it says, is this a picture of a possible werecat? Is this a real werecat or not? Since the photo is so old, blurry, and in black and white, it is a little hard to tell if this is just a weird creature or if it is in fact a werecat. From the information that I could gather, it might just be an extinct species of animal, but I could not find any exact or specific information that confirmed this. And then a bunch of people are like, maybe. Or a lot of people are like, Tasmanian tiger. who knows, maybe. Now... Uh, then the last one I couldn't find a lot of aside from the ones that I mentioned in the mysterious universe piece couldn't find a ton of like really like exciting sightings except I found one on Reddit. It's very short. Okay. Somebody great. on Reddit in uh, the cryptids subreddit asked for like if anyone had basically asked if anyone had heard had heard anything or seen anything with more, like, feline cryptids. The person Mm -hmm. writing the post said, Hi, I'm new to cryptid research, and one that fascinates me is a lesser-known cryptid that isn't talked about a lot, and that is the cat man or feline biped. I haven't found a lot other than the whole wampus cat sightings and a few reports here and there. And so, that guy Julio99 says... As a matter of fact, when I was 14, I used to sneak out a lot. And one night was the night I vowed not to do it again. I was walking down to a pier I lived near. And under the lonesome light, I saw this thing standing upright with a long tail and cat ears. Thought it was a furry, but for some reason it looked in my direction and stared for a while until it moved towards me a bit. So I ran and hid in my neighborhood quickly trying to get back home. Oh. thought it was a furry, and I love that he was like, oh yeah, it's, it's just a furry, and then looked, and it was like a real cat face, and they were like, oh no! <laughs> That's uncomfy. Yeah. <laughs> but I just appreciate the like, oh yeah, this is fine, it's just somebody in like a costume. Uh. <laughs> anyway, those are the only ones I found for that, so now I would like to go to spellsofmagic.com slash spells slash fantasy spells slash werewolf spells. Cool. Now you've definitely hooked me again. <laughs> okay. Now, here's the thing. I don't have all the things I need to do this spell, so I'm just going to be, like, reading the information about it, and I will try my best and see if anything happens, okay? Because okay, uh, this is an alternative to my other cat spell. Oh, okay. That's what they say. You're doing two werecat spells? No, I spell? couldn't find oh, their okay, other no. one. That's... <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were introducing the story. Sorry, no, no, no. That's what the person who wrote this spell said. Got it, got it, got it, got it. You will need the following items for this spell. A cat or a big cat, wild cat, or extinct cat figurine. A liking of big cats nighttime you will need nighttime <laughs> you need nighttime belief in and the liking of big cats <laughs> if you don't have one get one belief in were beasts and the spell water in a bowl optional full moon or moonlight and your voice I'm obsessed with any spell
0: that includes a belief for the spell in the lists because it means they always have an out,
1: (laughs) right? Like Like, if you say it didn't work, then it's like, hmm, whose fault was that? (laughs) So first you need to place the bowl of water in front of you. Uh, You might have moonlight if you do get it to shine on the water, but if it is a full moon, but you can't get at the moonlight, just put it where you can see the moon. Submerge the figurine fully in water and then say this spell in spell three times. Are you ready? I'm going to say it three times. Okay, I'm ready. Now I am human. Do you wait do you have the figurine? Do you have the liking of big cats? <laughs> now I am human, but soon I will be strong, like a big cat. Like all cats, I will have no predators. Like all cats, my teeth and claws will be deadly. Like all cats, I will be fast. Now I am human, but soon I will be strong, like a big cat. Like all cats, I will have no predators. Like all cats, my teeth and claws will be deadly. Like all cats, I will be fast. Now I am human, but soon I will be strong like a big cat. Like all cats, I will have no predators. Like all cats, my teeth and claws will be deadly. Like all cats, I will be fast. Now, you need to know, by the way, that this isn't going to work until the next full moon. <laughs> oh, darn it. So I'm not okay. going to turn into a well, cat until the next full moon. Until the next full moon. Darn it. So I know my favorite thing about this, by the way, is that there's a comment section on the spell... Because there are, so there are a lot of people who probably use this website for, like, actual, like, spells for, like, part of their religious practice. And a lot of people roll up to this one to be like, hey, what? Hey, what is going on here? this commenter rolls up with, you cannot physically transform with real magic. The spell is fake and it will never work. And then the person who wrote it said, don't listen to her. It takes belief to make a spell real. Damn, sounds
0: like you didn't believe hard enough, my guy.
1: Yeah. She yeah, that's what she says. She says the, the original commenter said, Real magic doesn't contradict nature. She's like, that's not how the spell how spells work. <sighs> that's not how it happens. <laughs> oh no, that particular though, that particular fight really got to me. That was really funny. Um That's very this good. This person's trying really valiantly. The commenter Neko Shima, is trying really hard to like talk to people in the comments and be like, listen, that's not how spells work. But <laughs> oh no you just didn't believe enough sorry Oof. and that's the only reason by the way that i feel comfortable making fun of that particular spell like i would never make fun of people who use spells in their religious practice but that one is a person on a web forum trying to tell people they can turn into a cat. oh yeah for sure <laughs> and they're very mad at anyone who, uh, who says the spell doesn't work <laughs> they're literally like no if you believe in it it'll work if you didn't work it if it didn't work you didn't believe in it <laughs> yeah it's your fault really so check back in with me next full moon. And if I'm not a cat, it's just because I didn't believe hard enough. Also because I didn't have yeah. all the props. Do you have to believe that hard for the entire month or? I
0: don't know. Just while you're doing it. Like if you stop thinking about it, do you, does it automatically not work?
1: Man, I don't know. I'm confused. I'm never going to be a cat. Oh man, I'm sorry. It's okay. Okay. Maybe it was too good
0: to be I mean, I'm glad, because if it was going to be too hard to, like, look at you, then our friendship would have been difficult.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: Do you have, like, your own song and dance number, or, like, did you prepare that? (laughs) I feel like that's probably part of
1: it. Honestly, my name already sounds kind of like a nonsense name from a T.S. Eliot poem. It kind of does, a little bit. (laughs) Oh, no. Alex, which was your favorite cat from the Cats movie? (laughs) My favorite cat
0: from the Cats movie? Yeah. It was 100% Monka Strap. Oh, good. Whose name you don't even find out in the movie. His name is just Monka Strap. Monka Strap the exposition cat is my favorite because that would be me if I were a cat. I'd be (laughs) all up in everybody's business, (laughs) spilling the tea. My favorite
1: thing about Monka Strap is that every time he crawls in the direction of the camera, I feel like my life is being threatened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He also spends all of the movie looking either like very sensual or so over it. Every time another cat shows up, he either like, Looks them up and down like, hmm, who's this tall drink of water? Or he looks them up and down like, oh, it's you. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I'm kind of like, I'm honestly obsessed with all the choices that that actor made. Oh,
1: it's so funny. Well, who was your favorite? Now you have to tell me. Okay, well, that's a really complicated question.
0: Okay, who was your favorite, not in a way that we can't talk about on the children's show for children?
1: Oh, um, absolutely, Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> okay, great. He's like a precious little baby. He is a little baby, a like, little baby boy. is the only one of those cats that I would like give just like a gentle pat on the head even though they look horrible like that just because he's mm-hmm. like so nervous. <laughs> That's fair. I would give him a small gentle pat on the head and maybe little of salami as a treat. Maybe a little of salami as a treat. I also quite liked Mongo Jerry and Rumple actually. I thought they were very funny.
0: Um, they were very fun. That number was probably the most fun number in the movie. Because the thing is that like It's the one where they're actually acting like cats. It's one of the reactions acting like cats, and there is something very fun and, like, whimsical about watching people that you know to be human, like, romping around in a ridiculously oversized home. Like, that tickles something in my child fancy oh, yeah, the, that feels very delightful. There's
1: a shot of Victoria just, like, gleefully throwing peas out of a bowl, and that made me laugh out loud. Uh-huh. That actually... Or, like, the <laughs> where
0: they're just, like, throwing themselves onto, like, the house-sized bed. Like, yeah. that's fun. <sighs> that's very fun to watch. That should have been the whole movie. Honestly,
1: I... Controversial take. I super didn't mind Rum Tum Tugger either. I thought he was really funny. I
0: wish I could have understood a single word he said. I already
1: knew the lyrics. That's the problem. Yeah. He's a cat who can't make up his mind. I think the casting, well I know that. I know oh. what the song is about.
0: Oh. I'm just saying like the words he like the words because the words everybody else was singing were articulate. The words he was singing He's got a beautiful voice. Not. He was
1: not articulating.
0: I feel like his agent said Hey, Jason, there's a movie out where everybody says their own name a whole bunch. And Jason Derulo was like,
1: I'm in. Oh, also, I will say this, and this is not even related to the fact there's already been discourse on Twitter about how the actor is a very handsome, like, fit ballet dancer, man. That's not what I'm talking about right now. My favorite <laughs> song in the musical is Skimbleshank's The Railway Cat, because that of all the, like, little, like, the stories that the songs create is the cutest mm-hmm. shit like, imagine going on a train and and you're in your sleeping car and, like, a little cat comes in and pokes his little head in and makes sure everything's up to code and then goes along as well. That's so cute.
0: You know, it's hard at first to figure out why Skimble Shanks would want to be reincarnated because it's, like, seems like you got a pretty sweet gig there, you know, right? You're passionate about your work yeah. and, like, you um, you have a pretty sweet deal going on, like, and then you realize... That cat has a job. <laughs> he does. Capitalism <laughs> ruined that cat. Please let Skimbleshanks escape. <laughs> Please offer Skimbleshanks the sweet release of the Jellicle choice.
1: He doesn't want to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, Honestly, the goodness. only cat that I really don't understand wanting a new life is Jenny Annie Dot. She's got a great life.
0: I know. She's just, like, bored that she's in the house. Can you imagine being Jenny Anydots Dots and you roll up and, like, old Gus the theater cat, who is going to die if someone sneezes too loud, like, is trying to get through his number. And you're like, hmm, yeah, I think I deserve it more, though.
1: <laughs> like, I'm just so bored of sitting around the house teaching cockroaches to dance. Yeah.
0: Even though I can apparently leave at any time because I just sort of frolicked out to come do this whole thing. Yeah anyway truly wild anyway, um, uh, thank you for wear cats i can't talk about this anymore uh, yes
1: correct i'm so sorry um <laughs> where cats are really not at all affiliated with cats the musical in any way shape or form it just seemed like a fun segue and then it kind of took over my brain i have cat i have brainworms for cats now and i'm sorry uh <laughs> by the way this has never been a musical that i liked i saw this musical as a child and didn't really like it that much
0: I actually tried to cyber-bully Andrew Lloyd Webber on Twitter once. It's my mom's favorite musical. Well, we will forgive Gina this one trespass.
1: She knows all the words even now. I told her about it on the phone and she started singing Busta for Jones back at me. Oh my goodness. To be fair, she saw it when it was new and everyone had cats fever and and she's admitted that if she saw it again now, she might not like it the same. Anyway. Fair. So that's been The Cryptic Keeper. So, um... You can find us on social media. Please don't yell at me at Crypt Keep Pod on Twitter. C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D. That's also our email address, Crypt Keep Pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook under The Cryptid Keeper and come hang out in our Facebook group at The Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group. You can also, if you want to participate in Year of the Moth 2020, baby, you can find our Patreon under The Cryptid Keeper and come uh, support us with that there. Thank you, as always, for listening, for sharing the show, for telling us your thoughts about stuff, for just joining us in this wild journey, and I hope this episode doesn't make too many of you abandon us forever.
0: <laughs> just think, if you help us raise enough money, you could be getting twice as many of these. <laughs>
1: Alex! <laughs> Don't blame Alex for this, I trapped her in a sound prison.
0: <laughs> it's fine, we'll get over it. Um,
1: so, as always, we hope we can keep you around, and stay safe out there.